the vibe of the podcast is like dinner party chic. You know, like we're Love just going to kind of like talk about things. And you're the guest the of honor at our podcast. dinner party. <laughs> what do you mean? Dinner party chic? Chic. Rambling homeless men over a trash can fire eating beans. Like, yeah. <laughs> Listen, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. <laughs> Lena, I want you to gather all the information from this pre-show, and I want you to use it against us on this episode. <laughs> I want you to uh, tell us yeah, like, what you, your thoughts are on our, our fight languages, just based off of what you're seeing. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about this. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep gathering and plotting here. Have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you. An exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes. With Rodrigo Garcia Platas, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. We have an awesome guest today. So a little context for our guest. When I'm on Instagram, the algorithm, I think, knows me pretty darn well. And <laughs> I was fed this content that I, first of all, as a, a CEO and a marketing expert, I was like, oh, she did it right. Like, okay, someone's like nailing, introducing a new concept into the zeitgeist in a beautiful way using TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. And I come across this brand new concept called fight languages. We're all very familiar with the love languages, right? We, we've yep. built courses that you know, include people going online to take a quiz to figure out their love language in terms of improving their relationship. Now there are fight languages, and I'm, I, I'm, I was in the process of taking the quiz and, and figuring out what's my fight language, and I reach out to the creator of these fight languages, Miss Lena Morgan, and she agrees to come on our podcast uh, and today we have Lena Morgan, creator of the Fight Languages at fightlanguages.com. Welcome, Lena. Thank you for being here. Welcome oh, to our so garbage much. fire bean roast. I love it. I couldn't be more honored to be at your garbage <laughs> fire. <laughs> so I'm sure we're going to have a billion questions, but just off the bat, can you talk to us a little bit about what are fight languages? Absolutely. Yeah. So... When it comes to being in a conflict with someone, we kind of all approach it like we're coming from the same place, right? We're all coming with the same needs, the same desire to be understood. We're coming with the same skills. And then we're in a fight with this person that we're like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about or what you need. And so the fight languages really articulate the five different types of people that are in a fight and the protective and productive traits that they have. You could think of them as like positive or negative, but of course we're like moving so far beyond that idea where it's like, no, no, these are really smart ways that they show up in conflict to protect parts of themselves that have been harmed before. And when you understand what the different fight languages are, then suddenly you're hearing someone in a fight with an incredible amount of information. You're hearing what they're actually saying behind that big reaction they might be having. Welcome to the perfect podcast for you to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> it's so brilliant because, like, everyone talks about love languages, and that obviously, like, you know, that really stuck in the zeitgeist. But, like, I've always thought that, that people argue so badly, whether I'm watching people debate on TV or watching my friends in relationships have fights. I, or if I've ever been in a fight, I've always noticed, like, there's, there's times when I'm like, why is this not working? What the hell is going on here? And you're right. It's like we don't talk about how – 
we talk about all the time how we value different things. We meet someone want to fall in love and there's different ways to show love, but rarely do I hear people talk about how, how what the other person in a fight values and what they're giving them or not giving them. Maybe it's because like Absolutely. when we're in a fight, we don't want to give anything to anyone. So we don't even think about that. But like, it's, it's so true. And I, I feel like mm-hmm. that's such a helpful way to get people. I'm sure you've helped people who have been stuck in fights with their significant others for years in an instant, get like, understand what they're doing that can just get them past certain things. Exactly. Because exactly like the fight or the love languages, you know, we're trying to form that connection. But what we don't realize is like, why don't we go to the spot where we feel most disconnected and find the connection there? That is certainly a far deeper, more meaningful feeling of love that we get in a fight with someone where suddenly it's like, oh my God, you're hearing me. Oh my God, I feel so understood. You get what I've been trying to say that I was hitting this wall with you. That's what the fight languages allow you to do suddenly. It's like this whole new conversation opens up and you're absolutely right. I work with a lot of couples where this is a fight that might've been years. You know, I work with couples in their seventies that like this has been ongoing for decades. And now suddenly it's like, oh my God, oh, that's what you've been saying this whole time? Oh, wow. Like, And we're headed in a totally different direction. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. This sounds fascinating because like, like I'm listening to you talk and I go like, Biotypes does that, Biotype does that, Biotypes does that. And right. we're, we're catering like to the same compassion angle of that's that's not what they meant. Like they, they, They're trying to say something in their language and you're not getting it. I, I love exactly. this. Please break yeah. it down. What are we? Please tell me that I'm the yeah. best one at arguing. Okay, so my first brush here is I wonder if you're an amplifier because amplifiers are wonderfully expressive. They're the ones that bring that deep sense of connection for us to emotion. They're the ones that are most comfortable waiting in emotional spaces and they can bring a really big, like that wave of emotion turns into a tsunami with our amplifiers sometimes and they can like, their emotion is now drowning everyone else. But they really help us access those emotional pieces of us that we can't articulate as well as an amplifier can. So that would be my first This guess. woman just did to me what I do to other people. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do they look like in an argument? What is that? What is that? How does that manifest? Yeah. So an amplifier in an argument, and I am myself an amplifier as well, you will find them saying, but this is how it feels for me. But this is what my experience is. So the underlying need for the amplifier is to be understood in their experience. And so they're going, like the person's going to tell them something and they're going to basically say, I understand you by telling, telling you how this feels for me, telling you my experience that's similar to this. So in a fight, then you're going to notice as that person's experience is not being acknowledged because somebody else is like, no, 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 I'm telling you my problem here. They're going to have a bigger and bigger and bigger emotional response until they're kind of like collapsing into that emotion. So they're getting incredibly angry or they're uh, just like collapsing in tears. That sounds like phlegmatics. Kind of. Mm. But, but it also, in my experience, there are some <laughs> sanguines that, that absolutely do this because yep. they're avoiding the shame. Like, mm. I, you know, I noticed this because uh, can I talk about our drive yesterday, Rodrigo? So, I, you know, I have my surgery, and Rodrigo has this, this Tesla that he's rented while he's here, and we're going to uh, re- record. very, very fast Tesla. It's very fast. It's one of those things that where you, when you hit the accelerator, it feels like a roller coaster, right? 
my insides are not fully healed. So when Rodrigo did this, you know, I bear down, I clench, and I go into extreme pain. And Rodrigo, like, says, I know what that feels like. I, because I remember this in the moment. I was like, because I was like, I don't care that you know what it feels like. I just don't want you to do it again. But his whole thing was like, oh, yeah, no, I know, I know what that feels like. Like, I've been there. And I was like, you know, okay, like, but what you just said of like an amplifier says like, I want to be understood. He was preempting any sort of an argument to avoid any feeling of shame of having hurt his business partner. I mean, I mean, he's also not saying that I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know exactly what you're feeling. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But yes. <laughs> but he goes, <laughs> you did say I'm sorry like once. It was not that many times. But I said I'm sorry like 11 times. You're like my wife. <laughs> yeah, fighting right now. That's what's happening. Let's see what's going on. Break it down. Break it down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do the color commentary on this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So like from a 10,000 foot view, if you were to take a step back, what Rodrigo was doing was giving you a lot of information about what he would want to receive if he were in the same situation. So while it might not affect this fight that's happening right now in the future, like if he were in that same situation, you now know that you can show up with, I know exactly how you feel, and that would feel really meaningful for him to receive. But in this space right now, the like, okay, I understand that's how you feel. Can you let me know how, what you're hearing me say though? Like, can you let me know what my experience is right now? Because that's, like, I don't need to know about your experience. I'm the one that's feeling this, you know? This is brilliant. This is like reverse engineering of what we do. Because, <laughs> like, what she literally just explained is, is absolutely accurate in, in our, our understanding of sanguines. Like, mm. sanguines, I'm a sanguine. Sanguines live in experience. Everything has to do with the experience that I'm giving others or the experience that I'm creating for myself. And... I accelerate because I want to give him a cool experience with the fastest production car in the world. And then I remember when I see his face <laughs> of pain. And then what I want to do is change his experience immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, don't think about the pain. I know what you're going through, but the car is really fast, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, I'm trying mm -hmm. to bring him into another experience of, of what was my train of thought, and I won't do it again, and blah, 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 because that's what I would want. You're absolutely right. That's what, as a sanguine, would kick me out of the, of the pain. Like, just right. show me something shiny, and I don't think about my pain anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, what, so what is my, uh, my fight language, just based off of what you've observed? Totally. So I suspect you're an analyzer, but I wouldn't be surprised if you have a negotiator, perhaps quickly in the background with that, where I'm not exactly sure which you might show up with first, but I suspect that you have both of them to grab pretty easily. So the fact that you're a CEO in marketing, those are both big puzzles that are really interesting to solve. So an analyzer is going to, there's going to be appeal in solving the puzzle. So because they, they're logic-based, they're fact-based, they're like, cool, prove it. I want to know how things work. Um, but the negotiator part of it from what you were saying from the first time you took the quiz with someone watching that it changed your answers So negotiators are really good about identifying with someone else's experience before their own. So if you're tracking on someone else and that's changing how you might be showing up, then I suspect that the negotiator might be 
you know, like maybe you're 30% of each or something. That was actually exactly what I got on the test. It was like 30% negotiator. I think it was 40% negotiator, 30% analyzer. And then there was another 30%. But what you just described Mm -hmm. within biotypes is my biology is phlegmatic, right? That's the sensitive, emotional, like which would I think tend to fall into the negotiator. But my personality Mm -hmm. is that of the analyzer, right? So having both of those is like exactly the, the mix of my biology and my psychology. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I can really appreciate that. I mean, analyzers aren't easy, right? We need them. They are such an important part of the way life moves forward and having things make sense for people. And they're really good at staying in the analytical. So for those amplifiers, like we need analyzers around because they keep us from getting too deep in the spiral. They're like, hey, no, 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 let's pull it back. Let's move forward. But for the amplifiers, particularly if you're in a conversation with an analyzer, they're like, well, I don't care how you feel about this. What's the nuts and bolts of the situation? Like, what's the actual facts underlying this? Let's stick with that. So that completely negates an amplifier. The amplifier is like, the facts don't matter how I feel is what's important here. The facts, like, that can change. <laughs> That's going to be false feelings- fires and sanguines all the way. All the way. <laughs> for sure. I mean, do you do you have enough of a, a an experience of Brian to to take a stab at him? I wouldn't be surprised if there is some analyzer in there, um, also some extinguisher, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what I I probably would say analyzer that you would show up with first. I appreciated how you were like, hey, expectation set. This is the time that I'm getting off, and that's not a movable thing. Uh, that leans more towards analyzer, but yeah, also you're a quieter presence. So then extinguisher potentially. Tell us about the extinguisher. So the extinguisher is surprisingly one of the most powerful fight languages. And I have yet to meet an extinguisher that feels powerful in conflict. So these are the people that when tensions are rising, they're shutting down and withdrawing. It's a really powerful mechanism to stop any damage that might happen or any conflict that's happening. But what it effectively does is put everyone else in handcuffs. Like nobody else can move this conflict forward because this person refuses to engage. So you might notice you're in a fight with an amplifier if they're having a hard time sticking with you and they're kind of puttering around moving things or like trying to distract themselves from the conversation or they'll get really overwhelmed. And I've heard um, extinguishers say that it's like static in their brain. Like they can't even think, they can't form words, they can't even engage. And others are doing more of an intentional withdrawal, like, no, you can't get me to fight. So like, I'm, you know, prolific on social media and I always love, like the extinguishers out themselves immediately because they'll say things like, oh, I just don't fight actually. Like, no, people can't, you can't make me fight. And I'm like, yeah, I bet that's very true. You do a great job of leaving the conflict. Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, those are probably the two that make the most sense for me. I took the quiz online, and it's interesting because when you take the quiz, when I was answering questions, I was like, am I answering what I want to be when I fight or what I actually am when I fight? I was almost answering like the best – I was thinking like the best fights I've had where I've been the most proud of myself, and I was answering those. Mm. But there are some fights where I'm like, oh, wait, I did kind of act out of line here. When I took the quiz, it was analyzer. I think part of it, I really love being the person who's the calmest in the room. I definitely get really annoyed by people who 
let their emotions overtake logic in fights. Because in my opinion, it's like, my emotions, your emotions don't matter. It's this thing that we are not like yeah. constructing. If we can just deconstruct this and put our emotions aside, it unravels itself. So when people's emotions take over, I just get, it makes me furious. That being said, there have been a few moments in my life where I've been pushed to a moment where I have exploded and I do not yeah. like really, I feel a lot. I feel like I argued so incorrectly when that happens. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I got my, I said my piece. I, I showed them what was what. When I leave that argument, I'm like, oh, my logic was so flawed there because I just couldn't see straight. And it makes me really yeah. upset. And extinguisher also makes sense because I, I was, at least when I was younger, I was very conflict avoidant. I'm much better at mm-hmm. it now, but I would just be like, mm-hmm. I would just not even engage whatsoever. But I do yeah. really like to be someone who like is the person when I feel my emotions and theirs are like going crazy. I like to really try to just like, settle everything down and take it step by step and pick everything apart. I really want to be that person. And I, I am at yeah. my best, I think. Absolutely. So there's a couple of points there that you brought up that I want to highlight. So yeah. the explosion is the igniter. That's our fifth fight language. And they're the ones that have a very firm idea of how dangerous conflict can be either physically or emotionally, mentally. And so if they are pushed to a point where it's like, oh, this is going to get really dangerous, they will kind of pull the pin out of the grenade themselves and explode because that is going to suppress the conflict at that point. It's going to end it. Everyone's going to back away. People are going to be on eggshells, but like it's going to be done and we can start over some other time. Mm. So we all tend to have at like I think of our fight languages as layers, right? Very few of us are just one all the way through. So right. you show up first as the analyzer and right. maybe you kind of withdraw and shut down into the extinguisher if it feels like things aren't going well. And if that person continues pushing you, then you have the igniter that's like your, I think it was like the ripcord. Like, listen, we're, this is done. And what you mentioned about like that kind of sense of shame that comes with it is very common for the igniters because they don't love that they did that. They just didn't have anything else to access in that moment. And so that is something that goes hand in hand with the igniter experience, which is so difficult, right? Like igniters are important. They give us access to anger that most of us deny ourselves access to, particularly women. Like anger is not something that's okay to access. Here's an igniter that's like, oh yeah, no, I can get angry. I don't like that part about myself necessarily, but like I have access to it. So those multiple fight languages that we all have a lot of people, most people, I would say, tend to have the extinguisher or the igniter as their ripcord fight language at the very back. A complete shutdown and refusal to engage or an explosion that shuts the whole thing down. Mm. Um, that's really interesting about the layers. That makes a lot of sense because it does feel like I kind of come in with number one and that doesn't work. If you're pushing me, then I can kind of move to something else. Yep. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Where do I take the quiz? I want to take the quiz. Fightlanguages.com. Here's a question I have as Rodrigo's taking the quiz. Are there particular um, patterns you see specifically a lot in terms of people getting in, just having conflict and not being able to resolve it? Whether that's two mm-hmm. specific fight languages that seem to often combat each other. Uh, another question, do you find that certain people with different fight languages are attracted to each other, like toxically? Do mm-hmm. you see, like, are there certain kind of opposites that really attract? Anyway, just like anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, often amplifiers will be with analyzers or extinguishers. Like that's a pretty common pairing. 
And I think of it as like, these are the kind of people that we might have had conflict with early on in life that we never had that feeling of being understood in our needs or our experiences. So we tend to seek out those situations where like, okay, if you grew up with an analyzer parent maybe, and they never understood your amplifier experience, well, maybe now I can like subconsciously, of course, have this partner, have them understand my experience, get them to validate that emotional experience that I've been waiting for someone for you to like to say like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, that's how it's, you're feeling. No, it makes, I, I, when I said I really don't value people who let their emotions take over logic, that being said, I find myself often attracted to people who are like that because I'm like, yep. I want to help you analyze this the right <laughs> way and you're in And for some reason, uh-huh. I have to like bring you in close to like get you right. right about this. It's crazy. Well, and from a different lens, it's you saying, I need you to understand my logic here. Yes. I need you to say that this makes sense. I need you to agree with my position in this. And that's a big this is an important thing for an analyzer. They want someone to understand their logic. They want someone to say, that makes sense. I understand why you feel that way or why you think that way or the facts of the situation. We're in agreement on that. So yeah, you're like, cool, that's a high priority for me. So seeking out amplifiers where they're like, that's literally the lowest priority for me <laughs> makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I definitely had moments where I, you know, there's a stereotype that this is a guy thing, but like when someone has a problem, I immediately just want to be like, well, let's sort of speak through it and solve this. And people want to be like, I'm not trying to solve it. I'm just trying to like express my right. emotions right now. And I'm just sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, can we get through this phase so we can yeah. like start fixing? Because it's like the solution is there. If you put your ego and your emotions aside, it's right there for you to like find. And so it like, mm-hmm. it, it can make me very frustrated to like, absolutely uh, with that sometimes with people. Well, and it's that frustration is being, you know, mirrored on the side of the amplifier because they're like, the facts of the situation matter very little to me. If you would just acknowledge the experience that I'm having, I could get in that same place with you. Man, they, the amplifiers can turn on a dime. Once their emotions are acknowledged in the situation, they're like, oh, cool. You see me. You see the experience I'm having. Great. Tell me about you. Like, where are you at? What do you need now? But as you keep like, no, 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 the logic, that's why one of the key phrases, if there's a fight between an amplifier and an analyzer, is the analyzer saying, okay, do you want suggestions or support? Because the analyzer is always going to show up with suggestions. Like, no, 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 let me just tell you, it's really simple. Just X, Y, and Z. (laughs) But the amplifier never wants that, right? They always want support. Just tell me you hear me, you're hearing what I'm saying here. What is it that Milana said, Ross? The, do you want a soapbox, a Kleenex oh, box, or a toolbox? Yeah, yeah. Do you want a toolbox, <gasps> a soapbox, or a tissue box? Yeah. Which is just basically like, yep. like I, I think this is the greatest question to ask a, a partner or a friend that is in a situation. Do you want to rant about it and just have me listen? Do you want me to console you, or do you want me to fix it for you? Yeah, and when it comes to amplifiers, that I mean, that is the key phrase in there is like, you know, what do you need in this situation? Because they know exactly what they need. And yeah. 99% of the time, they just need you to listen and say like, oh, this is how you're feeling. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I don't know why that's, I, I've definitely noticed over time, I've gotten better at that. But like, it's so, I, I don't like how it's hard for me to, because I, 
part of me is like, okay, just like acknowledge what they're feeling. But in my head, I'm like, what you're feeling is wrong. And this is not, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not true. You can't feel wrong. Totally. But part of me wants to, I don't even want to acknowledge it in people sometimes. I just want to go right to, yeah. you're being a little nuts, but I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And that is hand in hand with the analyzers. It's like almost a sense of perfectionism that like, why would we do that though? That's not the most efficient way. So why would I indulge this? And analyzers do tend to hold themselves to a high level of perfectionism, which is why it can be so devastating if there is fault that they need to take responsibility for because they have been holding themselves to such a high standard the whole time. The fall for the analyzer into like that personal awareness and responsibility can feel farther than other fight languages. Mm. Interesting. I'm confused. (laughs) <laughs> Can I share my screen? Yeah. yeah. That was a very hard quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 questions. It's not meant to be. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm known to be precise about those types of things. And I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit like this one. But but not really. <laughs> so that's one thing I did want to mention. When you take the quiz... It can be really helpful to think of a specific situation or a specific person that you're fighting with. That so was, if you, that, yes. yeah, wow. if you get a lot of, you know, you're like all the different fight languages, then you're probably thinking of a lot of different situations. I I'm, I'm am very different on different situations too. At these you results, Why? yeah, nah. because you have a 38 percent main fight language as the analyzer and. The twenty five percent igniter, I could totally see, but zero percent amplifier. Like which I, is, I am, I know I'm zero percent extinguisher because of how she beautifully explained it. I was like, yeah, I do not do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is very interesting. As a you know, everything you do with biotypes, negotiating, analyzing, this is a huge part of you know you creating a safe space for people to. Fights. So you obviously understand the tools super well. Exactly. Like what I'm feeling is that most of the answers to these questions are not who I naturally was. Uh, like a lot of it has to do with a lot of work that I've done that I've done from like on myself in order to be able to be the therapist that I am today. Uh, and it's true that I've become someone that does more of this, but that's not my nature. Like I, I yeah. can be completely transparent but about that. That's when you were 17 years old. Do you have different answers? I think I was like a thousand percent an amplifier. My question for you is when you were answering these questions, were you thinking about yourself on stage when you're facilitating training? No, no. I was, I was thinking about like when I argue with Danny, uh, when I've argued with you. Interesting. You, I, Very interesting. I, well, I have a question. Can I take it from my perspective answering how I feel like Rodrigo? This, <laughs> here's the thing about I mean, doing quizzes. You almost should do these quizzes with two people who know you over your shoulder going, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that is not you. Uh-huh. Yeah, fair. Yeah. And I do have some people that like don't do the quiz at all. They just look at them and they're like, yeah, no, I mean, I can see this is how I show up in the fight and cool. I'm going to get these, you know, cultivate these skills, get these really this information. Who you, who you fight with. They'll, they'll tell you the most. They'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, Ross, 
Roz, let's do this. Open the quiz and answer it with as, what you think about you. me, and I'll argue with you about your uh, answers. Okay, well, hold on. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, so that Elena can correct us. Keep talking to Elena because I, I'm actually I'm on step four out of ten. I was in the process of retaking it for myself, just like alone in, in my own experience. So I'm going to finish mine, and then we're going to do uh, the Ross takes it on behalf of Rodrigo experiment. Is that okay, Elena? Can we, <laughs> yeah, can we beta test your quiz with all these different <laughs> angles? Um, I love this it. Is, yeah. This is the thing about me. Like, my biology is dumb, and I know that. My biology doesn't want to pay attention. My biology doesn't want to be, like, specific. My biology blows up very easily. It goes from zero to 100 to zero within five minutes. Like, I, I know that it works like that. And I judged myself like crazy for years for being like that. Um, and I've done a lot of work. Like, I, I teach people how to balance out because I did it on myself first. I keep telling people I never put anyone through a journey that I wasn't the first guinea pig in. And I've learned how to be very calm, very specific about arguments. I'm used to people yelling at me. Like, I'm used to people losing it with me. I'm going to teach a workshop with 200 people this weekend, and someone loses it every time. Uh, and, and I'm very... Like, I'm very good at not losing my cool now, and I'm very good at looking for the right argument and the flaw in their argument and turning it around. Like, my wife keeps telling people, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, but my wife deals, keeps telling people that want to argue me on the street, like, don't do it, he's enjoying it. Like, right. he yeah. does this professionally. Um, uh -huh. And that has completely changed the way I, I argue or fight with people. Like, I feel very in control in most situations. So what you're referencing there is the protective versus the productive way that we speak these fight languages. Mm. So what you're talking about from, you know, your youth more is that protective amplifier. So if you think of your protective fight language as like a shield that automatically raises in a fight, yep. and even now you might feel that knee jerk, but you catch it immediately. And you're yep. like, no, 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 I don't do yep. that anymore. And then you, you're moving into a productive analyzer fight language. And that is a skill you can absolutely cultivate. Clearly you have. Anybody could. It requires a lot of work and self-awareness yeah. and honesty. And it's that muscle that you're building where you recognize the knee-jerk reaction. You feel the physical response because it's going to happen in your body before it ever reaches your brain, you know. You're checking it there, and you're pivoting in a different direction. I so make for fun me, of it. you're absolutely right. I know that yeah. I know the exact moment where I do that, and yep. I make fun of it now. Like mm -hmm. I, I get hooked. Like some, 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 sometimes I have a student or a patient or anything that tells me something, and and I realize just because my hands start shaking, and I go, right. like, "Oh, you got hooked!" And then I just yes. like laugh about myself completely let it go and come back in full focus. You know, it's so interesting. And I am curious if it's like, you know, an amplifier thing, because I had a partner that I would be able to hook quickly into a fight. And as an amplifier, that is a common thing. You pick a fight with someone because you get to off gas all of this emotion that you've been sitting with. That's me. And so, yeah, I, I could easily hook him into a fight and he was the analyzer extinguisher so once there wasn't logic he'd just shut down and be like i need to go take a walk yeah. and when he came back he'd be laughing and he'd be like god damn you got me yeah I, I, wow yep. man you are so effective and that would completely <laughs> disarm me i would be laughing i would be past it almost immediately like oh my god i did no i'm pretty good at that right gosh <laughs> But it was so effective and it was yeah. that sort of like teasing, like, oh, I see you're doing that thing. Yep. What's really going on? And then, you know, 
tears, whatever it was, would come out after that. I even tell my patients making fun of it and being able to laugh about it is one of the first steps in healing it. <laughs> but that's not going to work for all of the fight languages, right? So for the amplifier, that's going to be incredibly effective because, again, the amplifiers can shift so quickly, right? The analyzer is going to take that far more personally. That's going to be like more of a reflection on their character and their moral mm -hmm. standing than the amplifier would be or than, yeah, an amplifier would be taking it. This is probably explained by every time you talk about amplifiers, it sounds like almost as exactly what we know as a sanguine human being. Oh, it's and, very cool. And we explain that because the way sanguines live is they live in the present moment. When you tell when you tell like a room of people, don't think of the past, don't think of the of the future. Sanguines are going to go like there, like I live there. Yeah. But it, that's why they never plan things out. They always have eleven projects at the same time. That everything is about this present moment, which is what creates this deep connection with other with other human beings. And that's why in the example that Ross was giving, is I see that he's in pain, and the first thing that I think of is how do I get him out of this experience? Because I'm not creating any more meaning about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm just going like, let me let me give you something so that you stop thinking this or feeling like this. All right, I I, I retook it and I got 50% amplifier, which I don't I don't know if I totally agree with, but I can understand why as you know, phlegmatic and, and Lena, I'm not sure how much do you know about like the biotypes and the personalities. Uh, like it's like okay saying, if it's zero, yeah. Uh, before, like I, I know the four biotypes and recognize the names, but I couldn't tell you the traits of each one. So just a mm -hmm. real quick thing so you can have the context to participate in the conversation. Uh, we've got cholerics who live in impulse, value results, and hide in anger, right? Uh, which I'm sure you're going to be categorizing this within your, your fight languages as you hear those. Uh, we've got sanguines who biologically live in action, value experience, and hide in excess. They get excessive about something. We've got phlegmatics who live in emotion, value relationships, and hide in sadness. Uh, you're going to see a lot of your uh, negotiators. Yep. And, uh, yep. Mm -hmm. and then uh, we've got our melancholics who live in intellect, value, intellectual certainty, and hide in fear. And biologically, you're going to see a lot of the, what are the, the extinguishers in that category? Uh, okay, so, uh -huh. interesting. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, amplifiers can also be a certain personality biological combination that we call the false fire, which is a, a, a phlegmatic that has grown up very sensitive, but their psychology has overrun that as a defense mechanism to protect mm. themselves from the exposure of the tenderness of emotions. So they can explode and they act, we call them false fire because each biotype has a, an element associated. Phlegmatic is water. The polar opposite is choleric, which is fire. So they've yeah. moved their personality into that fire temperament, even there's though biologically. Many, yeah. Many, yeah. many, many of those. Yes. <laughs> you'll see a lot of them. And that's when you find people that are like, they go, oh, I've, I go big because what I really want is I'm tender and sensitive inside. Yeah. Whereas you might find some people that go big just because they feel like they're right and it's not, it doesn't feel personal. Those are two different biological temperaments having falling into a similar fight language category. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. I was going to say, is Lena phlegmatic? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I think there could be some sanguineness, but I think phlegmatic. I and that's that's a really good read. Like just looking at her face, I was thinking phlegmatic with self-dominant sanguine. Can we see your hand real quick? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, diplomatic with some known yeah. entanglement, baby. Yeah, 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 very much. So basically. So tell me, what is it that you're seeing that makes you say that? Do you want me to break it down, or do you want to go for it, Ross? I can do it. So basically, what we're, when we look at the hand, what we're looking at she is a combination. She could even be sanguine with subdominant phlegmatic. That now was we my need, initial Now we need read. you to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we're looking at is proportions of the hand, and we're also looking at the musculature. So when we look at a hand, okay. what we can see is th th there are muscles in the hand, right? So when mm -hmm. those muscles are thin, it reads as one biotype, but when they're thicker, it tells us that, that there's another biotype in there. And oh, cool. with biotypes, you have a dominant and a subdominant, similar to how with like your fight languages, you got the primary, the secondary, the tertiary. Uh -huh. let, let me just add something to that. It's not only the beefiness, hands are different. Their shape is different. The length of mm -hmm. the fingers, the width of the fingers, like sanguines their hands end here. Well, that's why I was not oh, saying so that people would go take the online course. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I just want to give a little bit of information. Yeah. Uh -huh. look, look at, look okay, at Brian's so thumb and look at mine. Uh-huh. Like this, like this. That's also very revealing. Like where it comes out on the on the palm. Oh, and interesting. Brian's palm compared to mine, it's like like mine has a little bit more width up here than it does down here. And Brian has a much more like symmetrical hand. Like it almost looks uh -huh. like if a kid were to draw a rectangle, it would just look like Brian's palm. Whereas <laughs> you know ours has a little bit more curvature to it. So yeah. based off of the the proportions of you know, hands At the beginning, often, it sounds all confusing. I, I yeah. promise. Eventually, it I makes total get sense. It, yeah, totally. But it has to do yeah. with the hand shape. It has to do with proportions. We have different arm length. We we have different leg length compared to our torso. It has to do with head shape, uh, like size of the eyes, uh, the shape of the jaw, and then you start going into it and. It's how you gather muscle. Can you get ripped or not? Uh, do, mm -hmm. Can you eat this? Can you not eat this? Because we know what types of food every biotype is almost allergic to and who can eat mm -hmm. everything and what, even how they heal. It's mind-blowing. That's very cool. Oh, very cool. What a huge amount of information for someone to gain about like how to be more authentically themselves in a situation. Yeah. Now, if you want us to do an accurate read on you, we do need you to stand up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so now you're going to see that I'm just wearing sweatpants, so. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah, you still look better than all of us always, so. <laughs> she's sanguine. Is this enough? I think, I think she's you're sanguine. Right. Yeah, she's sanguine my initial read was sanguine. You're great. sanguine with subdominant and phlegmatic. You're exactly like me. That's why we do the exact same thing. But yeah, she's oh, a funny. big supporter. Yeah. Yeah. The, the difference oh, big is what? In, in, our, yeah. in our scale. You are, you are a sanguine with a little bit of subdominant phlegmatic. You can only have a, like one neighboring biotype to be a subdominant, never, never an opposite. And you're a sanguine with a little bit of phlegmatic. The thing is, you have the personality of phlegmatics, and that's revealing as a sanguine. That tells us things about your That childhood. is. Okay, that's interesting um, because my fight language is an amplifier. That's like my true, but I cultivated a negotiator, and that is how I immediately <laughs> show up in any sort of conflict. My knee-jerk reaction is a negotiator. And for most of my life, until I started doing this work, I genuinely thought I was a negotiator. So, so I have a question, because here's my hypothesis that I'm generating, which is when you have your wits about you, right? Like when you have some gas in the tank to control the animal side of you that would like be the natural instinct, meaning uh -huh. the part of you that you've developed, would you consider that to be usually a person's primary negotiation language? But if things escalate beyond that, you'll see them kick into their, their, their second tier? 
Right. So that's when we're talking about a conversation turning into a conflict, right? You can show up in the conversation and you can, I call it bandwidth. You know, you've got plenty of bandwidth. You've got a lot of empathy for this other person's experience, you know, but then it becomes that conflict when we get reactive in the situation. And when we get reactive, you're going to have that knee jerk reaction come up. And then you're going to have to actually, you're either going to just react in the situation or you're going to say, okay, wait, I want to do this more thoughtfully. I feel that reaction. I want to make this more productive. Here's what I'm going to do instead. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yep. So because I, my igniter kicks in with some people and my extinguisher kicks in with others. And for me, I've always found it to be the context or the, the, the power dynamic that I have in the relationship. Right. Yep. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. because if it's a, if it's a relationship that I'm like, okay, like I'm willing to lose this, like at least in some space of it, like, or, or like, I can't take this anymore. There's an igniter. But if I feel Mm -hmm. completely powerless and defeated, then I become the extinguisher and it's more just like take the lashings. Um, Yep. Yeah, totally. I also think of it as like, you know, we all have these childhood wounds that we're carrying and that we're protecting and unless we get to the other side of healing them. But, you know, so different people are going to trigger different things for us. Different situations are going to hit different parts of us and we will yep. show up with the fight language that helps us feel most protected in that situation. And that's the thing. The fight language that you show up with always makes sense even if we can't quite articulate why it makes sense yet. So I always start from a base level of however you're reacting in conflict makes a lot of sense for you. And as you uncover things, as you, you know, have more context or more awareness, you're better able to articulate why it makes sense for you. But like nobody's fighting, nobody's showing up in conflict in a way that doesn't have a really logical basis for it somewhere, even if it's emotionally stored in the cells of your body that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emotionally stored in the cells of your body is right up our alley. <laughs> it's, right up, it's right up your alley. Right? <laughs> that's, that's somatic therapy. Emotionally is, stored in yeah. the cells which of Which we don't cheat or, we, we, which we don't teach or do except for you. You do that. You do I that in do basics that. all the time. Yeah, It you is do. a formatic thing to be like, I yeah. do craniosacral a little bit and I do... <laughs> But not a- that. Any form of catharsis is is a sen- like like screaming catharsis is somatic. Yeah. I, I, yes. I stand by that. That, you, that, like, that is true. Come on. I, so like, I've been in rooms but there's a difference between that and storing in the body, which is like a very important theory that exists and that I love, but uh, that I don't practice. Oh, I, I right. as a phlegmatic, I I have experienced it firsthand. I've and this is how emotional people felt argue. better. Yes. Elena, <laughs> <laughs> you were totally. going to say something? Uh, what I was going to say is the, um, oh, what was it? The star- Oh, the, so there's a book that's um, available now. It's coming out, Fight Languages. It's an, on Amazon. But I have a section in there for each of the fight languages where it's like, okay, a pause and a pivot when you're in a fight. Here's what you can do to create a pause, and then you can pivot in a new direction But the list is literally just a lot of things that you can do that will feel, that will resonate for your fight language to help resolve some of that internal conflict that's going on. So there are somatic things, like if you're an igniter or an analyzer, you know, like stomping or moving your body, moving it physically through there, 
or the like, you know, pushing on a wall or the silent scream, all of those things can be incredibly helpful to help move that energy out. So you're not just trying to suppress it and hold it and it's going to come up tenfold next time, you know, you are so good at helping yourself feel validated and acknowledged when you're in a fight. You as in the, the royal you or as in Ross? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the royal you as your own personal self yeah. are exceptional the at royal helping Ross. yourself move through that. The, the royal Ross. <laughs> I remember as a kid when I saw people like kids like stamp their feet and do that kind of stuff during fights, I'd be like, grow up, kid. Like I was just so yeah. – it's so, so you were an it's analyzer one of the healthiest things early to do. on. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many questions but on this quiz. But not for an analyzer. That yeah. are just like verbatim things that Brian has said aloud. Like you're being a little nut. <laughs> it is so funny. I'm like, I, I could take this for Brian, I think, easier than I could take it for Rodrigo. But I do want to try that still. Um, let's try it. Let's do it. All Cheers right. So if, if you guys want to hear me take this quiz from what I think Rodrigo's perspective is, this it's could get wrong. muddy. It's going to be wrong. This could get muddy. All right. Go to patreon.com slash RGP development. Hear the full version of this episode. We'll see you over there. Want more Biotypical? Well, good news. There's a longer version of this episode available at patreon.com slash RGP development. There, you'll also be able to find ways to get on the podcast yourself, ask questions, as well as watch a live taping remotely. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and subscribing. Remember to rate this five stars wherever you're listening to it, and we'll see you next time.